Obviously, things are a little different this weekend. And we're kicking off a new teaching series called Sleeping Giants of the Faith, and we have directed the entire message uh, towards what's happening in our culture today. Because it's been crazy out there, hasn't it? I'm co-teaching this morning here with uh, Pastor Luke and Pastor John. All the locations are three different Mercy Road churches coming together to uh, talk about fear. Because it's nuts, man. If you haven't been to the grocery store lately, it is crazy. It's the Wild West out there right now. I know, man. It's like it is the Suburban Survivor Series going on right now. Like, I don't know if when you get there, like the, the, the way in the apocalyptic currency that we're going to use is Charmin. But some of you all have been using a lot of Charmin. I don't know what's going on with toilet paper. The days are going to fly off the shelves <laughs> here in the next couple of weeks. It's been crazy. So you're trying to survive. Which, by the way, if you have the hidden, hidden immunity idol, Luke, now would be the time to play it as you were watching on home we hope that you find rest and we're going to have fun this morning if that's okay because when we get into this we know we're in serious times and we want to talk about what it means to find the joy of the lord and his peace that surpasses our own understanding because we're want to be real there's some really hard stuff that everyone is facing and people are going to be affected by this and we as the church as greg just did a fantastic job sharing need to rise up uh, during this time and so we're going to look at Matthew chapter 14 and the story of the disciples seeing Jesus out on the water and the fear that overtakes them. Luke, you want to kick us off? Yeah, thanks, Josh. Well, good morning. We're so glad that you decided to join us this morning. Uh, we, we truly believe that this is a unique time for the church. We're excited to see what God does through the midst of this crisis. And so, you know, I, I don't know if you've ever been this afraid before in your life. I know that I'm concerned right now. I've got some nerve. I'm taking my own precautions as well. Uh, and I think that we've seen the emotional time of the past 72 hours manifest itself the most online. Like we're seeing, you know, the news stories and the social media posts, and we're seeing what's being said and done as a response to some of the panic that has gripped our nation. But, but I want you to know this. You don't have to live in fear. God has not called you to live in fear. This might not be the only time you've ever been afraid in your life. I know it's not been the first time I've been afraid. I want to share with you a brief story of when I was in fear and how I overcame that fear. I was 22, 23 years old. I just graduated from college, and I traveled to Haiti for a two-week mission trip. And I was warned there not to eat any of the food there that was made with their local water or local bread, and I didn't listen because when you are 22 or 23, your risk tolerance is very high, and you just do whatever you want. <laughs> But I will say I didn't listen to them, and two weeks later when I was on the plane ride home, I didn't feel the best, and I got back stateside, and I had probably gotten the worst food poisoning of my life. And I was, I was really, really uncomfortable. And, and I was fearful because I had to go to the ER, and the doctor, I remember him saying, we don't know what kind of food poisoning that you have, but I know that we don't really know how to treat you except for just to give you water. When you're 22 and you hear the doctor say something like that, your head goes places. All of a sudden, you become very fearful of your future. And many of you, maybe right now, are right there. You are fearful of your future. You don't know what's going to happen. Are all your dreams squashed? Are all the things that you put your hands to on a weekly basis, are they just put on pause indefinitely? We don't know. But what I do know is this, is that you were not called to live in fear. The way that I overcame that fear was very simple. I didn't really do it on my own, actually, at all. My parents... They would come to my bedside and they'd place their hands on their 22-year-old sick college kid. And they would pray these big, bold, audacious-sized prayers, asking the Lord to heal this, this stomach bug or this, 
this food poisoning that had gotten inside of me, and I don't say any of this to drum up an additional fear. What I'm saying is how I overcame that fear, which was prayer. Prayer on my behalf. Someone doing it, interceding for me. And I believe that the church right now, we can do that for each other. We can do that for our friends and family. And most of all, Christ does that for us. We are not called to live in fear. And you can overcome this fear. And so John here in a moment will kick us off into what we will see in Matthew 14 is how Jesus encourages his disciples to step out in faith and not live in fear. John? That's right. We're not called to live in fear. Uh, that doesn't mean that, that we wipe out the reality of what we're facing at all. But what it does mean is this, is that we live unanxious in the center of the storm. And this morning, we're going to be looking at a passage from Matthew 14 that heads that way. We want to see our hearts and our lives, our minds, be shaped and formed in a different way this morning. How do we make our hearts and our lives echo what more of Jesus would be like rather than the fear and the anxiety that, that permeates us right now? And we know that that happens. Formation happens through repetition. And so repetition is looking at Scripture and saying, God, what do you have for us today? We're going to be in Matthew 14, verses 22 through 33. Uh, because you're probably watching on your phones or your laptops, the places where you would most likely have your Bible, we will be putting it up on the screen for you. The passage says this. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come out to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. And this, my friends, is the word of the Lord. You have nothing to fear when God is with you. If you tune out, if you happen to, to have to go for breakfast, if the kids pull you away, hear this one thing before we move on this morning. Fear and anxiety are removed by the presence of God himself. Before we dive in today, though, will you pray with me? God, we are a people who are a little bit anxious right now, God. Our hearts and our minds are consumed by the virus that's around us, Lord, consumed by the disruption to life. Father, it feels a little bit unprecedented, God, in our time. And yet, God, we want to be different, Lord. Will you step into our midst this morning in our homes, in our cars? Come through to us, Father. Be with us, Lord. Will you open up our hearts and remove that sense of fear and anxiety that exists inside of us in the hidden corners of our hearts, God? And you replace it with a peace that passes anything that we could understand, God. 
We plead with you this morning, God, and ask that you would do a miracle in our time and a miracle in our hearts and our lives, God. Father, we trust you, and it is in your hands that we place all of these things. Amen. 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 Thanks, John. You know, as we look at Matthew chapter 14 and we see the disciples be afraid, it's a common thing. Like, everybody's going to be afraid at some point in your life, right? But here's the interesting thing that I always take away from this. Show me where in the New Testament that Jesus was ever afraid. Now, I know you're like, dude, I'm not Jesus. I'm not the son of the living God. Well, as we want to share with you today, you do share in his sonship. You do have power and authority that the, the spirit of God is with you if you're a Christian. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, you're attending online, again, welcome. Thank you so much. You see the fear and anxiety and worry that was present before this epidemic started. It's just only in, uh, gotten worse and heightened during this time. So how do we address it? Think of Jesus for just a second. He had plenty of reason to fear. I mean, the guy was constantly uh, pursued. He will eventually be beaten and berated and whipped with the cat of nine tails 39 times. And in fact, before all of that occurred, he had moments of time where he, people were saying really awful things about him when he would travel around healing people and being there for those in need. He, he had moments where he's in the Garden of Gethsemane and, and he's praying and the soldiers come to take him away, to take him to the cross. And, and Peter, his disciple, picks up a sword and chops off Malchus's ear. And Jesus tells him, no, put that down. We don't need to live in fear. He says, we, I did not come to bring the sword. And he faces what he had to. In fact, with his last words on the cross, he doesn't send down curses towards people. But he says, God, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Does the guy just got like ice running in his veins? Or like, how is he able to live that way? I believe as followers of Jesus, we have the peace that surpasses our understanding, but too many of us are living as slaves of fear. We're living as slaves to fear. I don't know what it's like to kind of live as a slave to fear and be afraid. I had this thing when I was growing up, uh, our, our garage was disconnected from our house by about 50 feet. And so at times when my dad would ask me to take the trash bags, take it out to the garage, put it in the trash can, I would literally do this. I would go out the door, and as soon as I would open the door, it would be dark out at night, and I would be afraid. I would slam the door behind me. Don't judge me. You get scared of the dark, too. It's not just kids. And I would run as fast as I could, the 50 feet to the garage. I'd open the cans. I'd throw it in there real quick. I would run all the way back to the house, and as I get in the house and throw open the door, then I would jump in like this, you know, because when you, you got to make sure the bad guys that are waiting on you, and they are waiting on you, when they're going to jump out, they're not just going to tackle you. They're going to cut you right on the Achilles, baby. So you got to hop up like this and make sure they don't get those things. Fear makes us do crazy things. And Josh still does this. Every day. That's how I walk into my house is my kids love it. But fear makes us do crazy things. We live as slaves to fear. Some of you parent your children out of fear. Some of you are going to make all your choices in the coming weeks based on the fear of finances. Uh, look, we need to be cautious. We, we need to, and we're going to talk about this, how to be equipped to address the coronavirus and COVID-19. And we need to wash our hands, of course, and we need to do social distancing. We need to do things to prevent the curve from getting worse. Absolutely, as followers of Jesus, we should use our brains and be smart and steward what God has given us, including our physical bodies, the temple of the Holy Spirit. That said, to live in fear about what's going to happen to us whether it's our finances or the way that we're parenting our children or some of you are going to be homeschooling. Some of you are going to have like a bazillion children trapped in your home for the next month. Talk about fear. That's like my worst nightmare. So as you face those things, to do it in a way 
where we invite God in to not be a slave to fear any longer. It will not dictate, fear will not dictate our dating life, our marriage life, the way that we we will live in a way where we claim the promises that Jesus has for us. Thanks, Josh. If you are a follower of Jesus, this is really the next thing we want you to pick up from this morning's message. It is impossible to follow Jesus and be a fear-filled person. The two are just incompatible. They're completely contradictory towards one another. So what can we do? How does Jesus respond to his disciples? Look at verse 22 and 23. You're never alone. Look at what the scriptures say. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. You know, in Matthew 14, we see a number of times where Jesus takes time to be alone with the Father. Right now, social distancing is a thing. It doesn't mean social isolation unless you are alone with the Father. What we do know is this. is through all, Throughout all of the scripture, and especially in this passage too, all of the sleeping giants of the faith that woke up to do great things for God were people that took prayer very, very seriously. And at desperate times... Desperate prayers are prayed in desperate postures, which means right now you might need to get off of the couch, off of your bed, out of the office, and down on your knees, maybe on your face, and tell God that you fear him and fear him alone, because what you fear is what you worship. And we see Jesus get alone with the Father before he instructs the disciples to obey him and all that he has for them. It is so easy to succumb to the fear and the panic that is right in front of us. But everything that God's word has to say about fear can be overcome through prayer. Remember Jesus, just before he goes to the cross, he spends some time alone with the Father and says, take this cup from me. Get alone with God and pray big, bold, audacious prayers to overcome the fear that you are confronted with in your life right now the fear that you might have about the future, the fear that you have for your children. I just, I have a one-month-old infant. I do not want to take her out in big crowds right now. We can overcome these things the same way that I overcame the fear when I was 22 and my parents prayed a big, bold prayer of healing over me when I was young. John will take us into the next part of this passage. We know that you are not a slave to fear, right? But we also know that you are not defined by your environment. Uh, check this out. A lot of times we take the place that we are in, the circumstances that we find ourselves in, and we tend to take that and use that as our lens to become our environment, the thing that defines who we are. Now, the passage speaks directly toward this in the opposite direction, saying you are not defined by your environment. Verse 24, take a look at it with me. It says, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. And shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Now pause for a second. If you've ever spent time outdoors camping or, or staying up all night or hiking, trying to get up high like on a glacier or something like that, you know this. There's something about this that, that rings true inside of you, and yet you don't know why. It's because the dawn is all, the, the darkness is always the darkest right before the dawn, right? That moment before the sun crests over the horizon, it always feels like the darkness is a bit about to envelope you or swallow you up a bit. And notice that in the passage, Jesus waits until this moment 
The point where his disciples have been fighting all night long against the wind, against the waves, trained fishermen, trying to hold the boat together, hoping not to be swept over sea. And in that moment, in the darkness, in the darkest moment of the evening, that's when Jesus comes across to them, right? He doesn't let, let the environment dictate his sense of action toward them. We continue on with the passage here. It says, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Now, pause for a moment. Have you ever had your sense of salvation, the thing, your sense of relief, the thing that's going to give you hope, the thing that's going to change your circumstances? Have you ever stared it down and been scared of it? Have you ever mistaken what it was to be something else? In this moment, Jesus comes to the disciples. He walks across the water, the wind, through the waves. He comes across, and he doesn't just let them stay in their circumstances. He goes through the storm to them, shows up in the middle of this, and the only thing the disciples can think, because they are being determined by their environment, it says, he must be a ghost. Mm. This thing that's going to save us, this thing that's supposed to help us, is not what it really is. And yet, the presence of God comes into their midst, right? And immediately in verse 27, it says, Jesus says this to them, take courage. It is I, do not be afraid. Notice that he wouldn't have to say that if they weren't terrified out of their minds, right? There's a lot to be scared about there. There's wind, there's waves, there's ghosts walking on the water. Things are not good. And maybe that feels a little bit like what your life is like right now. Maybe you're worried that if this goes on too long, you might get fired or laid off from your job. Maybe you're worried about the money running out. Maybe you're worried about spending too much time with your significant other or with your spouse and what that might do and what it might surface inside your relationship, the things you've been holding down. Maybe you're worried about spending this much time with your kids, and that's a legitimate fear and anxiety, right? Or maybe you're just worried that this doesn't go back to normal, yeah. that happiness and joy and a sense of peace and groundedness doesn't return to you. Know this, that in the middle of the storm, Jesus walks across and in his best Shakespearean accent says, it is I. <laughs> now, it's a weird phrase, right? But the reality is this, is that he's echoing back to a time when another guy was afraid back in the Old Testament, a guy named Moses sitting before a burning bush, and God tells him his name, and he says, I am. And Jesus walks through the storm, looks them distinctly in the face and says, it is I. I am God in the middle of this storm with you. You are not defined by your environment. You are defined by the presence of God. Wow, that was great, John. Thanks, man. And, and Pastor Luke as well. As we get into these last few points, we want to break this down a little more because for some of you, like to not be defined by your environment is very difficult. And it's going to take a step of faith to begin to face the fears that you have in your life. Point number three, if you're taking notes, you'll never walk on water if you don't get out of the boat. A pastor named John Orbert made this statement really famous. It was based off of these verses in verse 29. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. And when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? It's easy to focus on the fact that Peter got afraid, because he did. He, he took a step of faith, and he got afraid, and it was in that moment where he got separated enough from the Lord that it begins to sink. 
But the truth is, we miss out often that Peter was the only one willing to get out of the boat in the first place, making him the only person other than Jesus in human history to ever walk on water. I mean, how cool would that be? And, and Peter gets to experience that because he's willing to take the step of faith to go out and be obedient to what Jesus asked him as he came to him and called to him. Look, I'm not encouraging you that you need to get out of your house and, and go around in you know, places of large gatherings. Obviously, we shouldn't do that today. But you are going to have to get out of your comfort zone, as Trevor kicked the service off of talking about, get out of your comfort zone in order to minister to people well. I believe it's in times like this, when the crucible is the hottest, where we get refined as followers of Jesus, to be fully utilized by him. You want to be a sleeping giant of the faith? Allow this season to indwell you to turn from fear to faith to turn to trusting the Lord with whatever that you're, you're faced with. In fact, you know, you know the famous verse you see at the Super Bowl, John 3, 16, for so whoever believes in him shall inherit eternal life. The word believes there in the Greek is pisteo. It means to believe, to have faith, or to trust. You cannot believe in God cognitively and not trust him with your life. It is foreign to the, the definition of the word itself. If you have faith, if you believe in God, you will trust in him. And when you hear his voice, you will respond. I've seen people do this. I saw my own wife do this, move here from Southern California to help us start a church. And we have, I've seen how God has honored choices like that. I mean, Pastor Ken Primo, uh, our operations pastor, that's our launch pastor for the Northeast location, moved here from Huntington Beach, California. Ha have you been to Huntington Beach, California? It is like heaven on earth, only God isn't there. That's the only bad part about it. Just kidding. But, uh, right, like, it's amazing. The weather's incredible. And he moved here because of a calling of what God is doing. He committed a year here of learning what we're doing and studying how God is on the move. Fear is easy. We, we all know that. It's easy to allow fear to win. It's easy to go to the grocery store and see the lines and get panicking and think that God isn't around. And if we're being honest, I didn't say this at the first service. Like, I definitely believe that we don't know when the last day will be. We don't know if it'll be 1,000 years from now or 700 years or 70 or seven weeks. We don't, we don't know. What we do know is Scripture is very clear. There are birth pangs leading up to the return of Jesus, and certainly we have seen some of those in the last few years, and this is maybe just another example of that. But fear is easier. Christ is more compelling. That you don't have to live in fear of the things that we're faced with today. You don't have to live in fear of Jesus returning one day. You can have confidence and that he is with you and he has loved you and he has redeemed you. Why? Point number four, because you are a child of God. You are a child of God. Look how the passage ends. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed to the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are what? The son of God. Now, I believe that was an office that we're describing there, but he literally was the son of God. And according to Romans chapter 8, verse 15, we know the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. We're not slaves to fear any longer. The spirit you receive brought about your adoption to what? Sonship or daughtership. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. Abba, you literally get to call him Daddy. And just as Jesus was able to calm the storm, the power and the authority of Almighty God in this corner, that you, as a follower of Jesus, have the power of God. You share in the sonship or daughtership of the king himself. 
that you are never alone in whatever it is you're facing. Now, I don't believe because you have the power of God that you are 100% every Christian is not going to get a disease. We need to be cautious. We need to use our brains. We need to wash our hands, and we need to do the things that we can. In fact, if you're unfamiliar with the virus itself, you can go to the Indiana Health Department, just Google it, the ISHD, and you can see the details of the virus and how to prevent yourself and your family and friends from getting it. Because we definitely don't want those who are more at risk uh, to get the disease. And so we need to be smart about things, and we need to know that just because I have the Spirit of God doesn't mean I won't ever get sick. That said, the power of God that created the universe in six days resides with you if you have surrendered your life to Jesus. The power of God that was with Jesus on the cross when he's being crucified and he's able to say, let your will be done. Take, take this cup from me, he said the night before. And on the cross, he says, they know not what they do. Forgive them. He could face the fears because he knew his dad was right there alongside of whatever it was that he was facing. I believe as a follower of Jesus today, the power of God is with you in whatever you're facing. And it's an opportunity for us as believers to run into the problems and the diseases of our world rather than to run away. That we have the Holy Spirit of God with us to minister to hurting people. That could look as simple as reaching out online to your friends and family. It could look as simple as going to the, your neighbors or if you have a friend that you know is in the healthcare system and they have a child and they're going to have to go to work and now their kids are out of school for a month. What if you offered, if you don't have at-risk people in your home, to figure out a way to be able to provide childcare free of cost for them? What would it look like to get back to the local economy as we're faced with the fears of the financial markets? We could be the difference makers as followers of Jesus Peter got to walk on water. He stepped out of the boat because he and, and the, the, our heavenly father used the son here, used Jesus to calm a storm because he was a child of God. And you today have the authority of God in your corner to face the things that we're facing. In closing, I just want to share this, guys, because a lot of you know our story of when we moved here to plant the church. But for those that may be online for the very first time or watching throughout the week from different parts of the world, maybe even places in Asia that have a much higher rate of infection right now. We want to reach out to anybody out there, and I just want to tell you what it's like to not live in fear anymore. When we moved here to Indiana, we moved from Southern California to start the church, and we found out our unborn son had a genetic disorder, and he could die at any moment. And we prayed for physical healing. He ended up making it full term. We thought we'd get to take him home, and then two weeks into his life, he passed away. It was the most devastating moment in my entire life. Talk about being angry, afraid. I, I had all the emotions that maybe you have been experiencing. The emotions Pastor Luke talked about of being afraid of being sick and what the power of prayer and what it did in his life. And rather than turning and running away from God during that time, I finally got down on my knees and I, I turned to him in this horrible situation that I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy of losing a child. I saw his peace show up in my life. I saw him use that moment to reach many people for Christ. And we have a moment today in our culture where you could be the difference maker to allow God to claim your authority as the child of the king to minister to people who desperately need it. And these verses that I am reading are what really encouraged me during that time of my life. Maybe it'll be an encouragement to you today. It comes from the Old Testament. We're talking about Jesus not being in fear. All the way back in the Old Testament, in Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, and we're going to skip through a few verses here. Scripture says this, So do not fear, for I am with you, God says. Do not be dismayed. 
For I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. For I, verse 13, am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. Do not fear, I will help you. God says, you are a child of the king. Verse 17, the poor and needy search for water, but there is none. Their tongues are parched with thirst, but I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will make rivers flow on barren heights and springs within the valleys. I will turn the desert into pools of water and the parched ground into springs. I will put in the desert the cedar and the acacia, the myrtle and the olive. It's talking about these trees. The olive tree was meant to represent Israel and often was a sign of the luxury that it provided with the olive oil that the Israelites would have. And when my son was born and we gave him a name, we named him Jackson Oliver Mark Hoosman. And we named him Oliver as his middle name because we were claiming this verse in our life during the most barren, desert-filled time. An olive tree could sprout up in the most unlikely of places. The parched land could receive water again. The valleys could be made high. It says, I will set junipers in the wasteland, the fir and the cypress together, so that people may see and know and may consider and understand that the hand of the Lord has done this, that the Holy One of Israel has created it. And I'm telling you today, as you're watching from different places around the world, the Holy One of Israel is still living and active and moving and working. And because of the hope that we have in Jesus, because he was crucified on the cross, so atoning for our sin, our wrongdoing, and because he rose from the grave on the third day, overcoming death itself, anybody could draw near to God eternally, be with him in heaven, and experience him in their life today. That you may be fear-filled, but you don't have to be afraid anymore. You can surrender that to the Almighty Lord, the creator of the heavens, the earth, and the universe, and everything in it. And he, his power and authority, as, you're, as you are a child of the king, if you surrender your life to him, he can move and work. And where it seems like it's a, dare, a, a barren desert wasteland, he could grow up springs of water. He could grow up the olive tree in your life, just like he has for me and so many others who have reached out to him. So if you're attending online right now, I'm going to invite you to do something a little bit different. I'm going to invite you, and even those, the few volunteers in the room right now, I'm going to invite you just in your home, if you're there with your family or roommates or even by yourself, just in the act of the posture that Pastor Luke talked about earlier of surrender, I'm going to invite you just to kneel down right where you're at. Kneel down just as an act of surrender to him, and we're going to go to him in prayer and ask that he take our fear from us as we face this together. God, we claim uh, and trust and your mighty right hand during this season. We admit that as followers of you, we could even live in fear sometimes. And we know it's really an oxymoron that a, a Christian could live in fear because we have the almighty God in our corner. And so right now, we receive your peace. That's you as a Christian, you're filled with worry and animosity and anxiety over the things that you're faced with in your life. Receive his peace. God, I open my life up to your peace that surpasses my understanding. I surrender everything to you. I surrender my fear to you, my worry to you, this future to you. I'm going to get out of the boat. I'm going to trust in you. I claim that you are. The, I am a child of the living king. I will not be defined by my environment anymore. I will trust in you and go to you in prayer when I feel that way, Lord. And then finally, for those of you that are online who may not be a Christian yet, you've never surrendered your life, you don't have to live alone anymore.
Invite him in. Surrender your life to him. Do it right now. Don't wait another moment. He will return one day. We don't know if it'll be thousands of years or hundreds of days. We don't know when he'll return, but we know there are signs. And so we believe and receive your forgiveness and grace and surrender our lives to you. If that's you right now, pray this with me. God, I give you my whole life. I believe and receive your grace and forgiveness. I repent of anything in my life that's not of you. I surrender my fear and my worry to you, Lord. I am fully yours, your son or your daughter. Lord, we love you. We claim these things in the powerful name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen.